Welcome to the Liberty Experts Podcast, where all your liberty questions are answered, discussed, and debated by experts. Now, here are your liberty experts, Tim Moen and David Birnbaum. Hey, Timothy, how's it going? Hey, David, oh, that doesn't work. Nope. Uh, it's going great. You can just call me Mothy or Tim. I'm just going to call you Mon. Hey, Mon. Mon, yeah, okay. Jamaica. Jamaica yeah, does, am I racist if I call you Mon? It's in your name. You definitely are. You're... Oh, where, where's Mon in my name? Tim, oh, Tim it's Mon? Mon. <laughs> yeah, it, it's either Tim or Mothy. Moth, Moth. I call Mothy. you Moth. Mothy. Hey, Mothman. Yeah, yeah. Or I like Timon. that, actually. I like that. Mothman. Mothman. Hey, Mothman. All right. Um, speaking You're of bad Mon, at oh, I said Mon instead of Moth because we're going to talk about monopolies. Ah, so there I had you go. that in my mind. Monopoly, Tim Mothy. I mixed them up. Yeah. Good save. Good save. Good Anyways, save. Yeah. Or, or maybe you're thinking of Timon. You know? Timon. Timon. Yeah. I used to work with this guy, just as an aside. When, when I first started as a paramedic, my, I was with this older guy. I, I can't remember what his name. His name was Dave, I think, actually. It was David as well. But he had a real flatulence problem. And yeah. his nickname was Pumbaa. Everyone called yeah. him Pumbaa. So when I worked with him, we were Timon and Pumbaa. Yeah. Anyways. That's there you go. Um, so today <laughs> we want to talk about monopolies. Um, I'm, inter- I'm interested in hearing your take on it. I, I, you know, I've only done yeah. a bit of reading, but you know, what I've read about the kind of fallacy of the monopoly, let's say, it seems pretty accurate to me. It makes sense. And it, and it, and it fits with my experience or my knowledge of what goes on in Canada. Right. So there's this idea that many people have that, well, if you don't have government regulation, you'll have monopolies, right? You'll have one company corner the market and it will be bad for consumers. So you need government regulation. And basically the counter argument is pretty simple. Like that's bullshit and just wrong. Um, and there's a few reasons for it. Right. And so, the, the article I read says it's important to separate out like the idea of a coercive monopoly from a non-coercive monopoly. And then it ends up that like a non-coercive monopoly doesn't even, isn't even possible. It's not really a thing. But basically it says that the only way for a monopoly to actually be established is through government action, right? Governments put right. things in place. They put regulations in place or other, you know, other hurdles. And that is what actually creates a monopoly and creates a difficult uh, you know, creates difficulty to enter a market and things like that. And, you know, the counter argument is what if there's some sort of resource that someone corners and someone has all of the resources of, but that takes away the context of if someone actually had the ability to be the sole provider of a specific, like actual natural resource, let's say, then it wouldn't ever be able to get prominent enough that then they could corner the market. And it's, it's, very insular in its thinking, you know, the example is, you know, nickel versus aluminum versus whatever else. People have to understand that the market isn't just about one specific um, item, one specific mineral or whatever it is. It's a very complex system. And there are other solutions that can come in to take down a specific organization or a specific company if they don't remain competitive. So it's, it's really, I think, this lack of full context, this lack of understanding that leads people to think 
that one company could sort of just create a, a total monopoly in a free market. But what the government does is they come in, one, if they regulate, they can grant certain favors. They can say, oh, well, you meet my requirements, you meet my demands, so you can be in this business. And that happens a lot. And then also it creates hurdles to entry. Like a, an established company can meet a bunch of regulations, but a new one likely won't be able to. It costs a lot of money to meet government regulations. And so it's actually the opposite of what most people think is monopolies can only exist through government regulation and they don't exist in a free market economy. But you know, I don't think that was the best summary necessarily. So I'm interested to hear your take as well. No, I think that, that was a decent summary. Um, yeah, I mean, first of all, we should be, we're right to be, uh, I guess, scared or, or at least skeptical of monopolies, right? Monopolies mean that there's one organization that is providing services. And of course, when you have that, they can jack up the prices and, um, and that really hurts the consumers, right? Now, but what what happens, of course, is as prices rise and, and look, any business, uh, any unique business idea starts out as a natural monopoly, right? They're the first guys doing it. They're the only ones doing it when you first start out. And so you have, uh, you have this business that basically has a monopoly on that thing. So the first pizza restaurant had a natural monopoly on making pizza. Now, what happens is uh, as demand for that pizza goes up and the restaurant realizes, oh, I can charge a much higher price and increase my profit margin. Other people, entrepreneurs notice that, hey, if I open up a pizza restaurant, I can make a lot of money and they start making competition uh, for that thing. And, and that means that uh, the original pizza restaurant has to eat lower prices to keep attracting customers. And so prices fall over time once you start having competition. So that natural monopoly is, is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but what, what happens is, you know, that pizza restaurant doesn't want competition. So it goes to government and says, listen, I came up with this idea. I, that idea is my property. No one else can use that idea because that's my property. I came up with it first. And, you know, this is, this is how then crony capitalism works is government says, oh, okay, you have intellectual property in the idea of a pizza restaurant and no one else can take that idea. And so it prevents any, anyone else from opening up a pizza restaurant to compete with them or it uses various regulation, right? And so this is where crony capitalism comes in and, um, and prohibits competition and creates in a sense a monopoly or uh, an oligarchical system where a few corporations have it. And, you know, I get, I get this question a lot. Like if you, like you said, if you just allow regulation, why won't one giant corporation just end up being the result of that where it buys up all the other businesses, all the other competitors? Well, uh, think, about, uh, think about it in terms of land ownership for a second. Let's say you have a multi-million dollar company that owns a big tract of land and they want to buy up more and more land and, and just have a monopoly on all the land around. Okay, they, they offer initial property owners good, good price for their land and they, they, get, they buy up that land. But pretty soon other surrounding property owners notice, hey, this corporation is trying to buy up all the land. I can charge them a higher and higher price for this, right? Or they're trying to buy up all these businesses and take out their competition. That's probably a better example that a business is trying to take out its competition by buying them up, right? While subsequent competitors say, well, if you want my business, you got to pay a premium for it. 
And then what happens? The cost of doing business, of doing that business gets higher and higher, right? And that gets passed on to the consumer. So it becomes inefficient. It becomes very expensive over time to try to use voluntary means to, to quash your competition because in order to do that, you, the price of your business goes, goes sky high. And, uh, and of course, me as, an, as a competitor, I notice the price that these people are charging and say, well, shit, I can take a big chunk of the market by just charging a slightly lower price and attracting customers over to me. I mean, these guys are charging a ridiculous price. I can do it for much cheaper than that because I haven't spent all my money trying to crush my competition. So this is why it's kind of a myth that a corporation can just buy up thing. Now, what can happen is government regulations, you know, crony capitalist regulations, uh, make it very difficult for businesses to compete uh, in the open market. And so they're incentivized to, um, to, to sell to that bigger business. And, you know, they have to clear intellectual property hurdles. They have to clear regulatory hurdles. There's all these hurdles they have to clear. And so over time, yes, in a crony capitalist system, we end up with giant monopolies. Uh, but, you know, the, the people that want government to break up monopolies want to give government all this power. And they have to recognize that government itself is is a monopoly organization, you know, and this is of course the anarcho-capitalist critique of government. One of, one of them um, is that it uses violence to enforce its monopoly. But even if we accept minarchism or objectivist uh, minarchism as, as, you know, as legitimate, um, we can't have government picking winners and losers if, if we're concerned about uh, monopoly. Uh, and uh, go ahead. Yeah, I want to just add one thing that I think is a dimension not often talked about as to what's the real motivation for it. Um, because, yes, so you can agree or disagree whether government causes monopolies or, you know, the free market would cause monopolies. But, you know, I, I think there's an illustrated illustrative exa example as to why this is a concern for people and why because of the fundamental concern it leads them to think that actually government's the right answer and so the example i would think of is you know someone who owns a like a grocery store in a small town right and so you could argue that if he's the only grocery store in a small town he'd have a monopoly on groceries right He's the only place that people can go to to get their groceries. But most people wouldn't say that's an issue, right? Because they need to get groceries. He's the one in that market and the market can't support a second grocery store. But what they have an issue with is if a chain comes in and takes that guy's job, if they come in and they start serving the market and you have to ask, well, why is that the case? And why is that an issue if they're able to serve that market better and he goes out of business? There's this idea that somehow yeah. he deserves, he has a right to serve that community. But what that actually means is he has a right to not be competitive. If there right. is a corporation that has the ability to outcompete him, that is good for the consumers in that town. But there's this idea that Absolutely. no, somehow because he was there first, because he has this right to stagnate. He doesn't have to compete. He just he should just continue to underserve his market. And that right. is, I think, the issue is they have this, there's this idea that, you know, people shouldn't have to compete as aggressively. People shouldn't have to compete in the market. 
for that reason. And so that is, I think, the issue is people really think, oh, if someone is just trying their best, they should have a right to success. And that is what they don't like. And that is why they paint this monopoly because the free market does let, like technically he had a monopoly before, and, but you know, they were fine with it. And you need government is the only one through force who can actually stop progress. And that is the real motivation against, monop- against quote, monopolies, uh, I think. Yeah, it's an interesting paradox because here you have Walmart come into a small town and, you know, local business, uh, you know, a mom and pop shop has to go out of business because they can't compete with the low prices. And, you know, from a libertarian perspective, if you use protectionist pro- uh, protectionist policies to say, we got to keep Walmart out of this town to protect this mom and pop shop, while well, you are now granting the mom and pop shop a monopoly to charge higher prices, right? And you're hurting um, every other person in the town. Right. And you're right? hurting everyone the in the town. That, of these two owners. Right. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's interesting because obviously there is some efficiencies that come with size, right? Buying bulk uh, products and, and size and all that, that sort of thing. Uh, but then there's also gaps where you can compete with them, like niche products, unique products, antiques, all sorts of things. It's just not profitable. Like Walmart only has so much shelf space, right? So it has to choose what it puts on the shelf. So you just have to figure out the things that Walmart isn't going to put on its shelf and sell those things instead. And, and, uh, that's how you compete with them. You have to adjust your business model. Um, and, uh, I mean, and this is nothing new, right? Like this, uh, the idea of antitrust law, for example, that big businesses have to be broken up, um, has been around for a long time. Walter Block has a joke about, about so-called economic crimes. And the joke goes like this. Uh, there are three prisoners in jail for economic crimes. And the first inmate says he charged higher prices than anyone else. So he was found guilty of price gouging. The second inmate charged lower prices than everyone else. And he was found guilty of predatory pricing. The third convict charged the same price as everyone else and he was guilty of collusion and i i mean th- this is the arbitrary nature of these uh economic laws that uh you know could supposedly go after monopolies microsoft uh, you might remember uh in the 90s there was a big suit that uh microsoft got hit with an antitrust law because Okay. Uh, they were essentially price gouging and not allowing competition because they required, uh, I think, uh, companies like IBM or Dell to license software from them and, and different things like that. They, they were, were uh, trying to build up a moat around their business so that people couldn't compete with them. You know, and, and of course they grew huge. And part of the reason they grew huge was because there was a moat built around them by the government by through IP laws and uh, various other things that, that prevented uh, competition. So yeah, they, they grew larger than they, they normally would have in a market, but you know, the answer to bad policy is not more bad policy. It's, it's to get rid of the original bad policy. Yeah, well, I, I, it would be interesting to do a full episode on antitrust uh, because, like, Ayn Rand said it was, like, one of the most immoral things, one of the most evil things, one of the most things towards authoritarianism because it's totally non-objective law. If there are immoral but objective laws, 
I don't know if that's possible in her terminology, but if there are known immoral laws, that's different than having this broad, vague rule set where, yeah, you can be uh, targeted for anything you do can be deemed like predatory, basically. But I think that'll be an interesting other episode. Do you have any last points on monopolies as such? Because to me, it just doesn't make sense how people do think it's possible. It doesn't make sense to me how people think in a free market somehow can magically get to the, like, can simultaneously have a resource that's so limited that they can control it, yet get so in demand that they rise to a point of prominence and necessity. Like, I don't understand how both can happen. Both can exist at the same time. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And, uh, you know, I actually answered a question on our YouTube channel, uh, someone that had to do with monopolies. And it was uh, this guy talking about how, um, you know, he's here, here's what he said. I talked about getting rid of healthcare with a friend and they're convinced that people with pre-existing health risks would be left behind that without government, no one would be willing to provide the assistance, like providing insulin pumps for people who were born with diabetes. Then they went on to use the price of EpiPens in America on how privatized healthcare isn't helpful to anyone who needs them. So I believe I could afford some great health insurance if I wasn't being taxed for our healthcare, but I see where he's coming from about people with health risks being harder to insure. I find it hard to argue that without argue that without sounding like a complete asshole. And I feel like it's because I don't know enough to debate this topic confidently. And I, I, I said, here's a few points for your friend. And they, a lot of them had to do with monopoly. I said, one, I wouldn't frame it as getting rid of healthcare. I'd frame it as legalizing healthcare or ending healthcare prohibition. Because right now we have a huge artificial scarcity of healthcare because of these prohibitions. It's illegal for me, a healthcare worker, to start an enterprise serving customers because it basically competes with the government monopoly on healthcare. Mm. Uh, number two, the idea that people wouldn't be charitable to those in need doesn't square with the history of healthcare. No healthcare worker wants to see a patient suffer needlessly or not get the care they deserve. Alleviating suffering is literally what motivated most of us to get into this profession. Number three, government-imposed monopolies lead to scarcity, higher prices, and lower quality over time. Unfettered markets, on the other hand, lead to abundance, lower prices, and higher quality over time because of competition. And so ask your friend which he prefers. So, uh, you know, if you're, <laughs> this is the thing, like a lot of people who, who support a government monopoly on something as important as healthcare um, are scared about monopolies and competition. Well, if, if it's important, like healthcare, that should be the last place you would want there to be a monopoly because it's going to lead to lower prices, scarcity, and, um, and you know, and lower quality and longer lines. And I, I think the, the other thing, it, it's not directly applicable to the healthcare analogy, but it's another important analogy that I touched on with like nickel versus aluminum versus steel or whatever. Um, you can't predict where the competition will come from, right? Like the competition to kerosene lamps was the electric light bulb right and and right. The, and so you can't predict where competition will come from and if you try and regulate it so heavily 
competition will not be able to enter the market as well in, in all sorts right. of different ways. Well, yeah. And, and the example he used there was the EpiPen about how high the cost of the EpiPen is because of free markets. Well, no, no, it's not high because of free markets. It's high because of government regulation, because of intellectual property law that says only one company has the right to use that idea and, and combine their material in a way to, to produce well, this thing that they can sell. And then, but secondly, the FDA only grants approval to that one company while they're the only one that can sell it. That's not free market. That is government imposed monopoly on EpiPens. And that's why the price is so high. Yeah. And, you know, IP laws one way or the other, you cannot call the American healthcare system a free market, right? Like no. that's the consistent error is people look at the US, people look at these a not a free market at a mixed economy and say, see, the free market doesn't work. And right. no, <laughs> we just need to be clear that the U.S. is not a free market for most industries, as far as I right. understand it. Well, well, yeah. And even, even like, I mean, even in the U.S., they have licensing, right? I mean, healthcare professionals have to be licensed. In other words, they have to get permission from the states to engage in consenting activity with other adults. Um, that is a, a form of monopoly. It's like only if you jump through these hoops will you be granted the, the permission to, uh, to provide these services and compete in the market, this marketplace. Um, so that's a monopoly in and of itself. Uh, but and, and I mean, the list goes on in terms of how the government imposes monopolies, but I just wanted to throw that out there. Cool. Thanks, Tim. And for all of you listeners, thanks for tuning in and be, sur be sure to subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcasting app and consider supporting us at thelibertyexperts.com. Whoop, whoop. <laughs>